Hi, I'm Kellyanne Harris, real estate entrepreneur, investor, faith-driven leader, single mama, and sports mama. I've worked many years with real estate agents, and I'm the founder of Vision Real Estate Platform. Proverbs 29:18: when there is no vision, the people will perish. All right, everyone, thank you and uh, for listening today. And I'm super excited about our guest, Mitch Jones, and excited for you all to learn about him and his journey. Actually, um, Mitch and I just partnered on some apartment complexes recently and um, have known each other and been acquaintances. And actually, he called me up years ago about investing, and I've been really proud of his track record and everything he does in his career. So I'm excited for you all to get to know him today. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Super excited to be here and very thankful to be partnered with you and your team on the apartment and also just amazed at how great your team is well, with thank you. Uh, managing all the rental units you guys manage for me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So who are you? We tell our audience. Well, okay. Um, have a very unique and diverse background, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida. I'm half Colombian and my mom's Colombian, my dad's American, and when I was two, about two years old, they were both incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So typically when you make your living by selling large sums of cocaine, eventually it's going to catch wow. up with you. So at that point, my siblings, I have a brother and a sister, we were all separated, all went different directions. I went to live with my grandmother in Arkansas. Okay. And I was a very, very hyper kid. And for any grandmother, I was too much to handle. Um, some people still say I'm just as hyper, especially my wife. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing has changed there. And when I was five years old, I went to live with my aunt and uncle and my cousins, who I view as my parents and okay. siblings. So from there, six months later, I'm on a plane flying to Bangkok, Thailand, which is where I grew up the majority of my life. Oh, wow. And just loved it there. It was a great experience. But it was my first time seeing what a high income can provide a family. Okay. My um, dad did very well financially. We had a driver that drove us everywhere. We had a we had gardeners. We had pool pool boys. We had a maid that lived with us in an attached dwelling, mm-hmm. and she would clean the entire house. She'd cook all of our meals. But my mom did a great job of raising us because my sister and my brother and myself we all had to clean our own room. And she made sure that we always took care of what was ours. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to go get a new basketball, I had to earn it. I had to pick up extra chores to earn an extra allowance. So even though they had abundance, they taught us the value of a dollar, which I'm very thankful for. Mm-hmm. And then from Thailand, we moved to Malaysia. From Malaysia, we moved back to the States where my dad was working for Walmart, still doing well financially. Mm-hmm. And then I went to three different high schools, one in Arkansas and two in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And then... From there, I went to KWC, so right across the street from here. Yeah. And that's what brought me to Owensboro. I played soccer there. But at that time, when I went to college, my dad quit his job. And it was the first time I saw them struggle from a financial standpoint. Okay. It was during 2007, 2008. They had a short sale in their home. Mm-hmm. And I learned even though you have a large income, it doesn't mean you're set for life. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's just a quick overview of my background. That's a lot, though. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So before we get kind of into you know your entrepreneurship and building this empire like you went through a lot as a very I mean young young kid like do you think that 
I mean, I think everybody's story makes them who they are today. Did you realize that stuff when you were growing up? I had emotions in me, and I think I played every sport growing up, and that's how I buried my emotions. Okay. So I kept myself busy, but as I got older and I started unraveling all the pieces, seeing what happened to my cousins in Miami, what happened to their family, a lot of them, their parents are no longer here. They passed away. Okay. When you're in that business, you're either, you either go to jail or you die. Mm-hmm. And it's a very big ripple effect in a negative manner. Um, my sister went through the foster system. Mm-hmm. And my brother was in Colombia and had to experience a lot of terrible things. And I knew I always wanted to make money, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do it the right way. Wow. Because I can see how going to be a drug dealer can cause a lot of grief to a lot of people. Wow. Are your parents still incarcerated? Um, my dad just recently got out. My mom is out. And they. my mom's in Miami and my dad lives in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. My okay. biological parents. Okay. You don't call them your mom and dad? Uh, I do, but my real mom and dad, are they live in Arkansas. The ones that showed up. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. Yeah, you got a story, and it makes you want to be someone in life, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, so you graduated from KWC, and then you did. Now what are you doing, or what did you get into? Yeah, so out of KWC, I went and worked at a large bank here. I started as a teller, mm-hmm. and I even remember in high school talking about my career. Everybody asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut, mm-hmm. professional athlete, um, a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote rich. And mm-hmm. that's all I knew. So it, when I was a teller, I started seeing all these people at different level bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, some people have a lot, some people don't. And I started mm-hmm. noticing a trend. The people with a lot, they were all into real estate. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know anything about it, but I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. So... As I continued my career in banking, I just tried to self-educate myself in real estate. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of cool that how you've kind of got into this and just put your neck out there. So tell me, like, I remember back when I was scaling, like, I knew I was going to make a lot of money. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And make a big impact. It's not just money. Um, you know, it's not that it provides happiness. But I know a lot of unhappy people that don't (laughs) got no money. So it's the opportunities. It's a lot easier when you're making it, like whether that's to give to a nonprofit or to build your empire, like whatever that is. So like through that journey, um, how have you funded? Because what's your portfolio look like today? And how old are you, by the way? I want to tell everybody. I am 33. Wow. Okay. And currently, uh, my wife and I have 13 single-family homes. Okay. We are partnered in three different apartment complexes, uh, Mm -hmm. one being with you. And then we have a 90-unit we're partnered in where we only own 5% of that. Okay. And then a 48-unit where we own 5% of that. And then a 25% unit on a 32 complex. That's awesome. At 33 years old. Mm -hmm. So do you know where you're at? What's your goal? What's your net worth goal? My, I want to become a decamillionaire um, by the mm-hmm. time I'm 40. Okay. So 10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so seven years you'll, and... You'll do it before then. That's... It I, happens I like a that. lot faster than you think because it starts compounding. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And look, it's already compounded. So yeah. so what... How do you... How would someone... Because like you're 33 years old. You've had all this... You know, you're in a big banking, you know, a national bank and everything. And... Um, what how did you save up to do this like who did you get in the rooms with like tell our audience like what to do because i know there's a lot of people listening like 
I even know, like, always when I teach a class to my real estate agents, I'm like, how many people have rental homes? And I swear to you, I might get one hand raised. It's like, and we're in it every day. You're not even in it. Mm -hmm. So what was the first step? What did you do? What advice would you give? Yeah, so first thing is right during my senior year, I joined a network marketing company where I really learned about sales and Mm self-development. And I'm very big on education. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I feel you can get overeducated, though, because I caught myself in reading all these books on flipping homes, Mm because flipping was my first first really insight to real estate because Mm -hmm. of all the flipping shows back then. So HGTV makes it look really easy. Yeah, flip or flop, flip or flop. I love that show. My wife and I watch it all the time or did. And I got partnered up with somebody because I was reading all these books, but I had no money, I had no knowledge, and I had no experience. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how to get started. I may have read the books, but I didn't know how to apply the books. Mm -hmm. So I love the saying, um, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't apply it, it's worthless. Right. So Keevan Hayden um, here in Owensboro, actually, Mm -hmm. um, I got connected with him. We came up with a deal where he would help me through my first flip. Um, I would come up with all the money, Mm -hmm. and we would split the profit. Mm-hmm. Sounded great, but again, I had no money. I was still giving, I probably have marks on my arms where I was giving plasma twice a week wow. just to get by. But what I did have is, you know, whenever you go to the bank and you overdraw your bank account, mm-hmm. you have that reserve line to protect mm-hmm. you. I had one of those. Okay. And they're about a 22% interest rate. Oh, and wow. I think I had two of them because I had two different bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was $20,000. And I was like, even I don't have a lot, but I'm ready. I'm mm-hmm. ready. I want to learn. So we went to the outskirts. We went to Cordon, Kentucky, about an hour away. Mm-hmm. And there was a property, $15,000 $15, we bought it for. Probably needed to be torn down. I was scared to death. But he was like, Mitch, the land itself is worth fifteen. So I was like, okay, let's just buy it, put it on the line of credit. And I was like, so where are we going to do the house? He was like, we're not going to do anything. And I was like, what do you mean we're not going to do anything? He goes, we're just going to turn around and sell it. So I said, okay. So we listed it for 25000 It was the longest three months of my life making those payments on that line of credit. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to pay forever, but eventually we sold it for 20000 mm-hmm. And it sounds like we made a $5,000 profit, but after the realtor fees and all the expenses, I mm-hmm. think we each profited $800, mm-hmm. which isn't a lot, but what that showed me is mm-hmm. this can work. And right. I got excited. That's awesome. So you just did it. Mm-hmm. Like you did. So then what happened? So from there, I went out on my own, and I had just started being a mortgage loan officer. I was mm-hmm. making a little bit more money. And I took two of my coworkers. I was like, hey, guys, this flipping thing, it's awesome. Let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. We're going to make money. I don't know a lot about it, but I did one. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were in. They were. Okay. So then we went to another small town outside of Kentucky because I started realizing every property in Owensboro I tried to bid on, I was getting outbid either by cash buyers mm-hmm. or just people that were more well-known than I was. Mm-hmm. But these small towns, I found a little niche because not as many people were looking That's there. That's smart. Mm-hmm. So I flipped six more homes, saved up all the money, and that's really how I initially funded started funded mm-hmm. the rental properties. Did you do the flips yourself? Or did you outsource those? I outsourced all of it. My d- day job as a loan officer takes a lot of my time. Okay. And <laughs> I read in the book, if you don't know how to mm-hmm. be a contractor, don't learn now. And no, that's that's great advice. Yeah, because you got to... Even though if you try to do something, you still have holding cost. You know right. what I mean? Of like mm-hmm. how long it takes. What has been your biggest, you just jumped feet first. And you're like, I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been your biggest lesson? And I got another question after that throughout this process. 
my biggest lesson I would say is don't be scared to fail. And okay. I've failed in so many different things. And I think another benefit for me jumping in feet first is people always talked about filing bankruptcy or losing this or losing that. Well, I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I My bank account half the time was already negative. So I was like, if I lose, right. I'm not really losing. Mm-hmm. And really just reaching out and finding good mentors. Keevan was great for me. I have another mm-hmm. mentor named Chris Estes who really helped me along my journey and just reading. And I turned my car into uh, Drive Time University. Yeah. Always listen to podcasts, I listen to audiobooks. You, I, I always remember like when you started like watching you, like you, I mean, you were out there like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I think that's what it takes. What do you think holds people back? Fear. Fear. I think fear. Mm-hmm. And looking stupid and people getting out there. Like I remember like making phone calls and having no idea what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I probably did sound stupid on the other line, but as you continue to make those phone calls, continue to make those Mm -hmm. offers and continue Mm -hmm. to introduce yourself, you get, you get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think has been your biggest win through all this? Realizing the compound effect of real estate. Mm -hmm. And once I got, once I shifted from just wanting to flip to holding long-term assets and seeing the drip, the cash flow each month, and then learning how that can compound into more properties at a faster scale, mm-hmm. I truly believe that's just finding. I've always heard of the compound effect, but actually feeling it and seeing it and mm-hmm. getting the benefits from it is probably my biggest one. What do you think is easier, single family or apartments? I like apartments and I think apartments now are easier. Mm-hmm. I think when I first got started, it would not have been easier. Right. Because it's a lot at once. Mm-hmm. Um, what, let's talk about the tax advantage of, because I haven't yet on, on these shows, um, of apartments versus single family. Yeah, that, that's, my favorite, that's okay. my favorite part of apartments. And that's why I've really started shifting now from single families more to apartments. Mm-hmm. And it's truly because of what we call the cost segregation. So mm-hmm. first of all, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. And check. Neither every- am I. <laughs> <laughs> Run everything by your accountant. But depreciation is one of the hidden secrets in real estate. Mm-hmm. And everyone talks about how, how do real estate people, how do they get by without paying taxes? And it's not that they're not paying taxes. They're just deferring taxes. Right. To pay it at a later date or possibly never. Or when they sell it or when it, someone inherits it, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you pass away and you have it in a trust, mm-hmm. then when they take it over, mm-hmm. there's ways to work around the taxes from my understanding. Mm-hmm. But with depreciation, you get it at an amortization of about 27 years for a single family home. Mm-hmm. But with apartments, you can accelerate a lot of it to the front end. Mm-hmm. So what that allows you to do is say you go in and you put $100,000 down in an apartment, mm-hmm. you could sometimes get depreciation of 100000 which mm-hmm. means up to earning $100,000, you're not having to pay taxes on at that time. So if you made 100, just so everyone's clear, if you made 100K, you depreciated out 100, you have no taxable income. Correct. Yeah, I think that that is. And yeah, we've shifted our focus to do that too, because... And you are paying taxes. I mean, I do hear a lot in the community by certain investors who you'll hear, they don't pay taxes. They're paying it in some form or fashion, trust mm-hmm. me. So um, it just may not get caught up. And why does, I mean, what's your opinion on why the government gives that kind of advantage? Because they want affordable housing and they yeah. don't just want affordable housing, they want good housing. Mm-hmm. So typically when investors go in and buy properties such as ourselves, mm-hmm. we're completely 
doing mm-hmm. a complete overhaul of a mm-hmm. property and we're going to make it a lot better. Tenants are going to appreciate it. And mm-hmm. when you add value, tenants are willing to pay more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not that nice. <laughs> I don't think you <laughs> they had to will be. Your, your walkthrough was, uh, yes, it will be, but I heard about your walkthrough on our apartments. Yeah, I went by yesterday and found some more hidden gems, I guess we can call <laughs> it. It's not all glorious, I promise you. Um, okay, so so that was my question. My other question is, what is like did you I know you seeked out and you got in rooms with people what if um what if people don't know people what what's your advice on that like they can call you like what did yeah just let people know Mm -hmm. what you're doing Mm -hmm. um the way I got connected with Keevan Hayden is I was literally a teller at a bank like Mm -hmm. the very front steps Mm -hmm. of the bank like where you entry level and I volunteered at Friday after five. Mm-hmm. I remember I met Mary Ellen Hayden and I just said, Hey, what does your dad do? Mm-hmm. And she didn't even really know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I heard he's into real estate. I like real estate. Yeah. Can he teach me? And it's just letting people know you want to be in real mm-hmm. estate and people in this space, they want to help mm-hmm. and they're open to partnering. So just getting it out there that you want to get involved. Mm-hmm. What do you think that, um, you know, I'm a big think like we're all put on this earth i think god puts us on this earth for a reason Mm -hmm. right what do you think mitch's purpose is so for me what i feel at the core of my why Mm -hmm. and my belief of what i want to do is seeing all the trauma my family went through Mm -hmm. i could have very easily during college gone a different route Mm -hmm. i could have sold drugs i do still have unfortunately those connections but i've chosen to not go that route i want Mm -hmm. to make money the right way And I want to inspire the next generation, that young kid walking around, to not go down the path that's going to wind him in jail Mm -hmm. and ruin his next generation. I want him to go down the path that may take longer, it Mm -hmm. may be harder, but it's so much better in the end. Mm -hmm. And I just feel that my my heart wants to accumulate as much as I can to inspire that kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about like the fact that like why why some just aren't. Like, I don't know, I sit across the table from you and we have a lot in common and we're both like, it seems like, you know, you always get in the rooms when you are around like-minded, like, I guess I'm going to go off on a squirrel tail right <laughs> now, but why do you feel like, like if, if you're listening to this and you're stuck and you're in a position where you don't have that fire, um, like, what are you waiting for? And then like, I think really like. Where, how did you find the core of you to be able to bring that grit and that hustle out? Like, was that a lot of, I talked uh, earlier on this show about, you know, you know, whether that's therapy, whether that's your priest, whether that's your, whatever, whatever it is, your wife, your husband, like what got Mitch to kind of self-reflect and understand your emotions and how to like, cause I think that as a society, and I know we're getting better that we were real big, especially as a man, is holding your stuff back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I know I'm kind of like going around the bush, but I'm just like, how did you like light yourself on fire? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. And it's kind of evolved throughout mm-hmm. the last 10 years and my, really the time I've been in real estate. And Chris Estes, he <clears throat> really laid it out for me. And I really think that my goal. I had big goals, 
but I didn't have a path to get to them. I just knew they were out there. It was a dream. It was just a dream. Right. It was a dream. And I didn't have it really buckled down to how to get there. And my goal is to have 20,000 a month passive cash flow. Is that true? Okay. So I didn't know how to get there. Chris helped me dial in what I need to do each month, each year, and how much of each of my paychecks to save Mm -hmm. and how to invest it and then how to compound that investment to get there by the time I'm 40. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy path, but it's delayed gratification. And to answer your question, why do we feel so many people aren't willing to go after those big goals? I think it's because most people aren't willing to sacrifice the now for later. That's true. And they're so, um, you know, wanting to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm already a Jones, so I'm good. I know, right? <laughs> you were fine a long time ago now. Um, and I think, so what do you go off of? Like, I know I go off of a four-on-one, which is like um, four weeks, one month, and one year. How, what do you do? Like, did he give you a formula? So it was more of a year of hitting this dollar amount. So I was saving from each of my paychecks mm-hmm. automatically had 20% going into a savings. I was about to ask you that. Okay. And he shared me with, I think it was 60% of what okay. he saves to go toward and it's not just saving it's to put it to an account to invest it okay and there's so a big you, difference you put your taxes back plus you put your 20 mm-hmm. percent. so you're almost only what are you living off of i want this is important to the audience yeah so to break it all down so i'm a w-2 employee with mm-hmm. my day job so okay it automatically comes out okay and then out of the entire pot i now have 40 percent go to a savings which is for investment mm-hmm. and then i have 60 percent left over which out of that, um, I have a thousand dollars go to a car fund. Okay. And then the remainder is what I live off of. Yeah. So take note of that because I always tell people I live off about twenty five percent of my income. That's amazing. Yeah, but um, my taxes, you know, Uncle Sam takes a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, I think the key is, and I teach my realtors this, is that you start making like don't don't um, live the lifestyle like. Mm-hmm. Let's say you get in and you're used to making 50k or $60,000. Like when you start making 100k, stay mm-hmm. at that 50 or 60 and put back that 40 or 50. The problem with our society and especially in a commission-based industry mm-hmm. like yourself too is we tend to go to what we make. Mm-hmm. And I've made that mistake. Mhm. Mhm. And it's hard to dial back. I mean like right now with like we've the past two years we have made at real estate agents brokerages we have made a killing we have worked hard we're exhausted we're tired but it is not going to be like that the Mm -hmm. next few years and so right now what i'm doing is cutting back Mm -hmm. you know and i think that that's good for anybody i mean we're going to go into it so you know it's cutting your expenses and all that kind of stuff um but i think that that's key because i think people spend every dime they make Mm -hmm. and they live on what they're making versus setting back and setting something for savings. And that's what will set someone like yourself apart from, an, you know, somebody that's going to struggle the rest of their life. Yeah. And this is my second go around in the mortgage cycle, real estate cycles. Mm-hmm. When I first got into mortgage, my income multiplied by like five. Okay. And I was pumped. It was rates were low. Everybody was refinancing. Everybody mm-hmm. was buying houses. And I thought it was always going to be like that. I went out. My wife and I both got new BMWs. Mm-hmm. I had just started making I money. I did the same mistake. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I had a BMW. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong there. Oh, no. So then the mortgage um, cycle shifted to be slower, and my income dropped, but my income level was still up here. But my or not my income, my lifestyle was still up here, but my income level was dropping. Mm-hmm. So I started panicking. Mm-hmm. And this is my biggest regret so far in my career is shooting my lifestyle up here. My income and lifestyle is here. My income went up, my lifestyle went up, my income went up, my lifestyle went up, then my income dropped. And I was stressed. Thank God I love my wife. She is a Mm -hmm. trooper. We went and sold the BMWs, Mm -hmm. traded them in for Hondas. It was a little bit of a gut punch. Mm -hmm. But again, short-term sacrifice Mm -hmm. for long-time reward. But whenever the second cycle came over the last three years where rates were low and Mm -hmm. the business was great, we didn't increase it. What I did with that extra money is I just started dumping it into real estate. Mm -hmm. And now with that income from the rental properties, I will not touch it. Yeah, well, we don't, that is something good. Like we don't live off rental stuff. And when we were talking about um, going into business partnership, let's talk about that too. I don't know what time we're at, but, on the partnership thing, this would be a good, like, sometimes people are afraid of partnership. Mm-hmm. It seems like you never have been afraid of it. I was never afraid of partnerships on flipping because I knew I didn't have money and I needed mm-hmm. the money to get there. When I started getting into rentals, I had saved all my flip money except one time I did buy my wife's engagement ring from that fund. Mm-hmm. That's all um, right. You can reward yourself every once in a while. Yep. So I had that money and I wanted to get into long-term rentals and I knew my plan was at the beginning was to pay off all of my rental properties Mm -hmm. and just have the cash flow. And I didn't know if everybody else was aligned with that. So I was scared of partnering until after my 13th house, I realized I needed to get into apartments. And then I started partnering with Chris and now I'm partnered with you. Mm -hmm. And after these three deals, I'm I'm no longer scared of partnering on long-term. I think it's important that you, if you do choose to partner, that you all have the same. I've been in partnership. I've been in plenty of partnerships, and I get in different part. I mean, I have tons of partnerships. I can't even probably count now. But um, you get into partnerships that have the same goals. I think the problem is, is you get into partnerships when maybe a lot of people have the same, they bring the same thing to the table. And I feel like all my partnerships are very diverse Mm -hmm. on what we bring to the table to the partnership. But also we have the same end goal. Right. And I think that you get into partnership and especially if you're new into partnership, you don't know the questions to ask and you don't, you're just so excited. You just, I know how I was like, I'm just so excited. I just want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. So what questions are you like what partners are you looking for? I'm really looking for partners who can. There's a couple different aspects. One, I'd love partners that can help me find deals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can find deals because I said I'm always out there telling people I'm yeah. in real estate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the deals I find, I can't I can't tackle by myself. Mm-hmm. But I had lunch with Stanley um, mm-hmm. about three months ago, and he knew I was looking in apartments because I shared it on social media. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, getting my name out there. Mm-hmm. And I know Stanley's part of a mentorship group where he's really trying to get involved in apartments as well. So I knew you guys had the resources to Mm -hmm. help me. So once I found this property, you guys were my first phone call. Mm -hmm. So it's just really fitting. You have a puzzle and you just got to find pieces, people Mm -hmm. that can all make the puzzle complete. Mm -hmm. 
I think, too, the good thing about partnership where things can go wrong is when there's lack of expectation that's talked Mm -hmm. about. I think the good things about my partnerships are that um, I've been partners with those two those two birds for like 10 years now um sometimes i don't call them birds i call them other names but the funny thing is is we've never been in a situation where it's been a i did this you did this kind of like we don't measure like we just bring different things we're great partners we communicate Mm -hmm. if there's something that you know comes up which is really rare and um I think sometimes you get into partnerships and you like to measure each other's how much work you're putting into it. Yeah, and I, I definitely understand where that comes from, but I've always had the mindset mm-hmm. of I want to give more to this than I'm taking. Yeah. And I can see your track record. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knows Kelly. <laughs> and you've built so much. So it's mm-hmm. like I don't even have to question that. Yeah. And with Stanley and Jeff, you can see what they built. I don't mm-hmm. even have to question it. Yeah. And my partner in Lexington, Chris, he's built so much I don't have to question mm-hmm. it. So. I don't even look to necessarily have those conversations. I look mm-hmm. to see what people have done. Yeah, that's good. So if you've got somebody who isn't at that caliber, then they need to start proving themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If they want to get looked at as, at partnership, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Okay, so two more questions. Um, one, what's something you want to tell the audience that you're working on right now? Like, what what are you doing right now to make your life bigger? So right now I am really looking at saving as much as i can saving all of my money for my rental income continuing the 40 Mm percent to get into syndications to where i want to be more Mm hands-off and accelerate the compound of my apartment investing and to anybody who doesn't know what a syndication is Mm -hmm. it is where you're more of a passive investor Mm -hmm. in an apartment complex Mm -hmm. and you're more hands-off and you just receive typically a quarterly distribution Mm -hmm. and i want to accelerate that as much as possible while I still actively try to find deals f- for myself and my partners. Well, being a loan officer, that's like right up your alley, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, let me know when you do that. I've, that's something I've been wanting to figure out too, but seems like I got too many irons in the fire. So you go figure it out. We'll, <laughs> I'll go put, put you some partners together. Awesome. Um, okay. And then what advice would you like, would you want to give to my audience, real estate agent to empire builder or entrepreneur to empire builder? Yeah. So, Lots of different things I could think of, but the main thing is just get started. Mm-hmm. I know we've said that over and over again. Do your due diligence, read the books, and everybody analyzes rental properties a different way. And I've seen so many times, even myself, people get so upset because, oh, it's not cash flowing $200. Oh, it's not cash flowing 250 Oh, mm-hmm. it's not cash flowing 100 But from my mortgage background, even if that property is cash flowing $50 after you're covering all your expenses, if you're on a 20-year loan, for example, mm-hmm. after five years, you just gain $20,000 in equity, not by you paying it down, but by the tenant. And that 20000 may not sound like a lot, but if each year you can stack another home, now you're at 40000 mm-hmm. and then 60000 and then 80000 and then 100000 So I know in this market, homes may be a little bit more expensive, rates may be a little bit higher, but if you can get in and it still makes sense after you're covering for all your expenses mm-hmm. and doing your due diligence, keep in mind the amortization of that loan and how you're gaining equity, which you can then on the back end take out to dump into another property. I think we overthink it. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just do it instead of like because what a like if you've got this cash sitting here what other asset can you put this in and get someone to pay your payment Mm -hmm. we complicate things so much Mm -hmm. if if it does cash flow i did the math on this if it does cash flow two hundred dollars a month let's say you buy a hundred thousand dollar property you put uh, 15% down, you put it on a 20-year. I did the math. It's a 30% ROI mm-hmm. on your fifteen grand. And where else can you find that? No, you can't. But, but we look at it. And if you're, if you're not looking at it right, you're going to judge it on the hundred grand you paid for that house mm-hmm. versus the fifteen grand you actually put in it because your renter paid for everything. And so you've got to look at the cash you put into it, not the price of the home. Mm-hmm. That's where people get caught up and they don't even get into the market because they're looking at what they pay for the house. They ain't paying for the house. The tenant's paying for the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This yeah. has been awesome. I enjoyed getting to know you better and your story and super impressive and super proud of you and proud to be partners with you, Mitch. So how can they get a hold of you? Yes. So I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn just as Mitch Jones. Okay. And my Instagram is Mitchell. J-O, mm-hmm. and then there's four zeros, the number five. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening, and we will be putting these podcasts out regularly. We will be on every podcast platform out there, and just remember, with no vision, the people will perish.